Hello and welcome to Touchline from Casper Elson, Mark Cameron. Hello, Mark. Hi, Cas. Nice being back in studio. And tonight we have a special guest, and uh, we are so fortunate to, to welcome, in my opinion, the best sevens coach that South Africa has ever produced, and obviously with a team that has done so well, Neil Pell. Welcome, Neil. Welcome to Touchline. Welcome, Neil. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Casper. Thanks for having me on your show. And uh, yeah, looking, looking forward to our conversation over the next uh, 30 minutes or so. Thank you. Just before we start, I just want to say a very happy Valentine's Day to all our listeners and our viewers. And earlier today, we ran a little um, competition where our viewers and our listeners could guess who our guest on, on the show is tonight. And uh, a big shout out to, to Neil Powell. Neil, over to you. Yeah, yes, I just want to congratulate uh, Nanette Roo for winning the WhatsApp competition for uh, obviously guessing correct who's going to be on the show tonight. And then also to say happy Valentine's Day to her husband, uh, Bayes. I hope you had a fantastic Valentine's Day and um, I hope you, you guys pulled each other uh, today. So congratulations and happy Valentine's Day. Neil, thanks for that. Uh, I'd just like to know how she got it right to guess that it was you standing there. So... Um, I tried to send it to my wife and nothing happened. So, um, yeah, maybe we must talk off air. <laughs> but thank you for that. Much appreciated. <laughs> yeah, Neil, thank you very much for that. Um, Neil, tell us a little bit about Neil Powell, where it all started, um, how it began, when it began. Um, how did you get into the, the sevens and the coaching? Yeah, yes, I think my sevens career started way back in 2001. Um, it was, uh, well, actually before that, actually 2000. I think we, I got invited for, to a um, sevens trial. I can remember it clearly up in Joburg, um, where Norman Mbiku and um, Ian McIntosh was, um, was the coaches of the Springbok sevens team. And I think Ian McIntosh has done an amazing job to put uh, Springbok sevens on the map because in... Way back then in the 2000s or late 99s, 2000s, um, Sevens was still very much an amateur system where they will get guys in from the 15s, let them train together for a week, and then they will go into the World Series. And I think um, Ian Mack went to SRT and said, guys, if we put a Springbok jersey on their backs, um, they need to be spring Springboks. They can't just come in and then come 8th and 10th on a World Series. Mm -hmm. We need to really seriously make them contenders and, and make it a much more professional environment um, so that they can be a lot more successful in the World Series. So got invited to the trials. Um, and then when the team was selected, I wasn't in the team that, that went to actually London. Um, so we always did two tournaments. So it was London and Cardiff in Wales. Uh, didn't miss out on the London tournament. Um, but then somebody got injured in the London tournament. I think it was uh, Andres Ferri. And then I got pulled into the squad for Cardiff. And that was my... That was my very first tournament in the in the sevens jersey. Uh, played for well, then I was out of the system again. Chester became the the coach of the Springbok sevens team. Um, so that was so when I made my debut in Cardiff, it was June, and then that December, it was the Dubai tournament, and then it was actually out in Durban, um, the World Series. So two guys again got injured, or three guys got injured in Dubai, and then Ian McIntosh said to Chester, but he needs to get myself. Brent Russell, and then um, there was another guy from the Bulls that played actually hooker in 15s. 
we he needed to get those three guys in um, for the injured players that uh, that could be injured in Dubai. So, um, and then myself and Ben Russell, Russell made it to the team. We played in Durban, and then I stayed in the in the sevens team. Um, then, then with this about what 2001, 2002, the beginning of 2002, um, the Sharks Craig Davidson actually got injured and they needed a scrum off. So. The Sharks lent me from the Free State because I was still signed at the Free State as a 15th player. Um, then the Sharks signed me. I was there for two months and then I, I, um, then I fractured my leg in a warm-up game against Harlequins in, in London. So then I stayed for 15th from, well, the beginning of 2002 till the end of 2007. Um, had a few injuries, played a little bit for the Cats, uh, but not a lot. And then after 2007, I, I was still, I was then signed with the Bulls. Um, didn't really get a contract with the Bulls. And then Paul Trude came and said, listen, I want you to come back to seven. So then basically my seventh career almost um, continued from, from 2002. Uh, became the captain of that team 2007. Again, I had a few injuries that kept me out of the team. And then I basically retired from playing sevens in, in June 2012. But in January 2012, or actually earlier in, in January 2011, we actually took a proposal to, um, to SRRP and saying that you can't let development happen at national level. We need to have a Sevens Academy. So myself, Maurice Kuman, and then Kunrad de Valles, that was at that time our contact skills coach, threw up a proposal. We took it then to Johan Prinsler, that was still the CEO of, um, of SRAP. And it was in that transition phase where Yuri Root took over from, from um, Johan Prinsler. And they said, yes, it's a great idea. Uh, let's start at Seven Academy. So we opened the doors of the Sevens Academy in 2012, January. So I was actually still a player then. Um, so all every tournament that I didn't make, I went to the academy and coached for those two weeks when the team was, was overseas and played in tournaments. And, and interestingly enough, our first intake um, for the academy in 2012 was Cheslin Colby, uh, Justin Gedult, uh, Kwaka Smith, Werner Kok, uh, Siabella Sonatla joined us later that year. And then there was another three players that didn't make it that was part of that academy. So a very successful start to our Sevens Academy with myself um, as well as a, as a coach. And then Maurice Kuman as the manager and, then, and also the coach of the system because when the sevens team was in camp and I was part of it, then Morris would coach the team. And when they have left and I didn't make the side, then I will come in and I'll do the coaching for the academy. And then when I retired in, in, in June 2012, then I was full into the academy as the head coach of the academy system and Morris then the, um, the manager of the academy system. And then, yeah, things changed quite quite quickly, to be honest. I actually started to look for other opportunities outside of South Africa. And, uh, in, in sevens, I applied for, for the Kenya job, Kenya sevens job, and then things changed very quickly. And then in the end of 2013, October 2013, they appointed me as the head coach of the Springbok sevens team. And, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm still part of it, which is obviously a massive honor and a privilege. And um, it's, been, it's been eight years now, eight and a little bit um, years. And when I finish in October this year, it will be nine years that I was um, involved with uh, with the Sevens. Yeah, and that's basically how I got into not just playing Sevens, but also coaching Sevens and starting a Sevens Academy that I felt contributed massively to the fact that we can be so successful um, over a long period. So that consistency basically in our performance. So Neil, it's a, it's a, it's a massive history that you've just brought up there with 
obviously a lot of experience from playing 15, 15s and then going to 7s and then starting the academy and well done with the academy. Yes. You know, when we, when we follow the, the series all over the world, um, the commentators often go back to say our academy specifically as a production for, for rugby players coming through the system. And well done to you and Mario Schumann for obviously starting that up. What I want to ask you, um, and I ask this to a lot of the 15 coaches that we interview on our show, is how difficult was it for you as a player to basically directly after that, or you, as you were saying, you were still busy playing and coaching and that at the same time. How difficult was that transition? Because obviously you mates with the guys, um, and then as a coach, you are on a obviously different authority level, and you need to and they actually need to listen to you. So how difficult was that transition for you? Yeah, I think it, it, was, a, it was a tricky one. And, and the fact that a lot of the guys that I now needed to coach, I played with on the World Series. Even a guy like Frank Yorn was my mm. roommate for a full year on the World Series. So you definitely become friends and, and mates. And it's, a, it's been a difficult thing to make them understand. But if you're not really their friend <laughs> anymore, you're now the coach. Um, but for me, again, it, it, it was all about respect. Yeah. I think I said to them that you can call me anything. You can call me on my name or you can call me coach or you can even call me up. I said, but I don't <laughs> think you can really call somebody up with respect. But as, long as, as, as long as there's respect. And I think yeah. it's always been a big thing for me is respect. So um, even in our valley still today, respect is, is definitely up there with, uh, with the top values in our system. And I, and I think what made it easier was was the senior group, was the Frankie Horns and the Carl Browns that um, that got the guys together and said, listen, um, this guy is not, not your friend anymore. Um, you will call him coach, and I'm not big on titles. I don't, I don't really care about titles, but you will call him coach, and you will respect him as your coach. And I think, again, it's one thing to say that, and it's another thing to really show it in your actions yeah, and, and align and, and fall in the, um, under this coach and, and get yourself aligned. And I think what also helped, that everybody buy into where we go, where we were going, and 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 now we want to approach the future. When I started, was um, we were quite very lucky to be successful very early in my coaching yeah. career. So, um, in in um, well, not very lucky. I'll call, I'll call it blessings. Um, <laughs> it was a big blessing that we were True. very successful um, in my coaching career. So, uh, my first my first tournament in Gold Coast, we came fourth. Then the second tournament in um, Dubai, we, we lost to Fiji in the final, and then we won the, the tournament in PE. So, and I think as soon as we had that success, everybody almost aligned um, behind the system and behind me as a coach and said, right, this guy, this guy almost proved himself now that he's capable of coaching this team and taking this team somewhere. So, um, and he will always have those guys. He will always have the guys that will immediately buy into the whole idea of listen to another new coach. And then he will have the guys that will have, almost stand back a little bit and say, listen, um, you know, let's let's see first if you can do this job before we align ourselves behind you. Gus, what is, what is uh, nice to hear coming out of, out of Neil's mouth is we were fortunate two or three weeks ago, a month ago, maybe I can't remember, um, when you guys were in Spain, we yes. had the privilege to speak to Devald Iman. Yeah. And um, he, he himself spoke about the principles, respecting each yes. other, respecting the game, respecting yeah. coaching staff, the players, and whether he made the side or not, and he spoke on behalf of all the players, it doesn't matter. They know they're part of the system. They know where they fit in. And because part of what we asked is, obviously, with the seven set up, 
most of the guys are based in Cape Town and it's like a family unlike anywhere else. And he said it's massive. They are like friends, but they're like family. If the one hurts, they all hurt. Something, something that he that he emphasized was that it's all about the team. It's got nothing to do with any individual. It's got nothing to do mm. with what's happening in the system. It's all about the team. It's the team performance. It's what's mm. best for the team at that stage, and that yeah. that made an impact on me. Yeah. So and then and then just on 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 the seven side, um, if you can maybe. Just elaborate a little bit and, and, and tell the viewers. Obviously, when you took over from uh, you took over from Paul True, am I right? If I remember correctly, it's such a long time yeah. ago. So, <laughs> Paul Paul also obviously went through a phase where where the Blitzbocker were very successful at a stage in that. But where you have taken them to now, I don't think it's ever been seen in South African rugby. Obviously, we are only the second team to the All Blacks Sevens that have won won so many uh, consecutive. Um, games. games yes. I think it's 34 if I'm not 35 mistaken. Now. 35 now. What what is it that Neil Pell does for the players to to hold that so tight to say this is where we want to be? Because obviously we've all been privileged enough to be be part of the 15s as well. But the sevens, you know, even in 15 15s rugby, when you talk, everyone says we want to be like the blitz box, and it's totally different. But I think the, the mechanics and the basics are the same. But you've got something right that many, many people around the world also want to tap into to say that's where we want to go. No, and I think it comes down to what uh, Devil said. It's, it's all about the system. And we'll, we'll always say, I mean, I mean, in 20 years from now, nobody will even remember Neil Powell or Cecil Africa or Frank Horn or all the big names in, in Sevens. But Springbok Sevens will still be there. Um, so everything we do is, is about a system and there's nobody more important than anybody else. I mean, whether you're the coach or the captain or the doctor or, or just one of the youngsters in the team, um, there's daily, almost, I want to say, activities or daily duties that um, that needs to be fulfilled. And, and because you have a title, it doesn't exclude you from those daily um, duties. And I think that's what made this system so so special. It's, it's everything. It's about the system. I think it's a system where the guys really set, set the high standards to themselves. And again, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a combined effort. I think everybody only see myself um, standing in front and coaching the team. And yes, there's obviously a lot of things where the buck stops with me. Um, but there's a lot of people that contributes to making this team successful. Nobody sees the doctor and the, the guys doing the rehab and the academy coaches and what they do to actually make the system um, as successful as it's, as it's been. And I think one of the things that we have addressed and I've addressed when we came into the system, and it almost felt like a South African culture, not just in, in rugby, but you'll, you get it in cricket and you get it in soccer sometimes as well, or most of the times, where we, we work really hard and we get to the point where we're successful. And then yes. the very next tournament or the very next game, we we don't even make the quarterfinal. We don't even pitch up on the field and we don't really play well. And, I, and it almost feels like we work hard. We get ourselves to a point where we're successful and then we almost get ahead of ourselves. It's not an arrogance, but it's almost a, just a little bit chest out and stomach in. Um, and we think a little bit more of ourselves than we should. And I think we had a look at, at New Zealand Sevens and we, we saw that although in a, 10 tournament series, they will only win three tournaments. They, they constantly get themselves in the semi-final. Okay. So every yes. single other tournament, they got themselves mm -hmm. in the semi-final. And that consistency was something that we we strive for. And I think it's a it's obviously a, a, a physical thing and a, and a technical thing, but I think it's it's probably more a mental thing of where you were successful 
and then you almost need to get yourself what we call back to zero before you start the next tournament and it's a it's, it's again a, a psychological principle a sports psychology principle that was taught to us and we call it getting back to zero so the principle is if you win a tournament then you sit on a plus five and then before you get to the next tournament you need to get yourself back to zero and to get you back yourself back to zero you need to physically do something to mentally get you back to zero so our sports psychologist um, explained to us that Rafael Nadal, after a Grand Slam win on a Sunday, um, he will have a, a, a gym session with his trainer on a, on, on a Monday morning, 7 o'clock. But 6.30, he will go into the gym and have a really hard physical cardio session. So on the bike, on the treadmill um, for 30 minutes. And that is his physical session to mentally get him back to zero. So for us, how it works practically is we will drop the guys in the gym on a Wednesday and then we'll say, listen, guys, you have your 30 minutes. We'll give them a framework of what they could do, especially the new guys. Um, and for a guy like Vanderkoek, that's a little bit more aggressive. He, if there's a punching bag, he'll put his gloves on, punch the punching bag, stretch, and he's done. Yeah. Um, Philips Neyman or Sissel Africa, it's a little bit more relaxed. We'll go treadmill, bike, stretch, yeah. done. Yeah. A Justin Gadol, that's very stretchy, will stre- uh, but that's very chilled and very laid back. <laughs> Um, he's more of the, the Rasta type and he listens to all this Rasta music. He will just sit on the on the floor Relax, stretch yeah. for 15 minutes and that's his that's his session. So again it's yeah. individualized, but I think it's 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 a it's something that I think has contributed massively to our success over the last few years. But just to be able to get that consistency and almost get ourselves back to zero again before we go into the next tournament, whether we were successful and be on plus five or not successful on minus three. Um, so for both those occasions, you still need to get yourself to, to that zero before you start the next tournament. No, definitely. Neil, on that point now, the successes of the Sevens rugby now, Neil Powell's future after the Sevens now, end of the season now, um, it's, it's all over the media now that Neil Powell is coming to the Sharks, which we are very glad for. Um, Not you, you're a line supporter. I'm happy because I'm a shark supporter. Thanks, Neil, for that one. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm very glad that you're coming to the sharks now. Um, since we since we're talking out of Toti, um, I'm very glad that you come to to the sharks. But talking about that now, you see how glad Mark is. Right? He's even blushing. So uh, <laughs> um, tell us tell us about that transition from from sevens now onto the 15 game and how you see yourself um, slotting into the Sharks setup now as now the new director of rugby at the Sharks? Yeah, well, firstly, I think it, it was obviously not an easy decision to make. Um, if you were part of the mm. of the Springbok 7 setup for, well, not just the nine years as a coach, but the seven years before that as a, yeah. as a player, you don't just walk away from a, a system that you... Well, you eat, uh, breathe, and live every single day. I mean, it's um, it's 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 obviously getting all the more emotional the closer yeah. I get to that yeah. date where you're gonna have to walk away because um, it's a it's an amazing system with amazing people, and it's something that I obviously will dearly miss when I when I leave. But yeah, I think the the transition will will be again a challenge as, as well. I think it's although it's both rugby, it's different systems. I think um, uh, having more. Uh, people to manage and I think as a as a head coach and a, as a director of rugby I think that's probably your biggest challenge is just to to manage the people inside the system because everybody obviously wants to know that they're important everybody wants to know that they're not just a number but they 
that they all care about. Um, and that's how we build our Springbok 7 system. But again, it's so much easier because you only have nine management and you have and you'll have another 25 players. Now you sit with 20 management and another 50, <laughs> and, and 50 players. So, um, and I think that's what I, what I sometimes feel like with the sevens, you have a contact, whether it's just a, a, a conversation contact or a physical morning hour you contact, but you'll have a, a contact with every single player every day. And it almost feels like because there's so many people inside a 15 system that you might even go without a day or two not seeing some of the players in the yes. system. And I think those contacts for me as a as a head coach and, and obviously a director of rugby when I go to the Sharks is going to be important because um, although the game of rugby is, is what we are employed to do, um, I think for me it's only the platform. And what we would like to do is to speak into young men's lives so that they walk away um, better people from that system, better values because we believe in a Springbok 7 setup that they will be husbands, they will be fathers, yeah. um, they will, will be employees and employees. And we want to send them away from the system where they can be successful in any of those roles, um, no matter what the future looks like for them. And I think it's it's something that we definitely would like to continue um, when I make that transition to the shots. It's, uh, yes, rugby is the, is the platform and it's the game that was given to to me. But again, it, it, it's, it's more about the people. Uh, Neil, we we unfortunately running out of time. Um, you know, we can talk rugby and sevens, and with you and all your knowledge for days. That's what we do. And a lot of times we get into trouble because we so go over time. time. <laughs> so, or I get into trouble. Um, but yeah. there's three questions that I'd like to ask you quickly, if I may. Sure. Um, yeah, please go ahead. One one is, you've been so successful as as a sevens blitzball coach. One of the things that we haven't grasped in our hands yet is the World Cup Sevens. Mm -hmm. We are fortunate that the World Cup will be in Cape Town this year, and that's just before you hand over the reins. Obviously, yeah. that's on your radar, and that's what you want, I'm assuming, if I was the coach, desperately as well, because that's how you want to walk away. How important would that be for you, obviously, to make or not make it? Yeah, again, I think it's uh, it's obviously something that you would like to get as your last tournament. But unfortunately, life is not a fairy tale, so um, it's not always going to end like you do. But I think again, it's 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 going to come down to the effort that we put in, um, the guys' roles and responsibilities that they will implement, and and sales, and even the effort that we put in as as coaches. And I think. We totally had our focus wrong the, the previous ones of tournaments that we had, the Commonwealth Games and the World Cup that we didn't do well. Um, unfortunately, there was a lot of circumstances that uh, um, almost prevented us from do, being successful at the Olympics and COVID played a big role there. Um, but yeah, I think if we if we, we get our focus on the right thing and if we put the effort in, then hopefully we will, we will get the results. I'm sure you would. My second question would be, um, and that I listen to the commentators often and obviously, uh, national TV puts one on the spot sometimes. Neil yeah. Bell doesn't smile often while the Blitzbox <laughs> are playing. <laughs> are we going to see some more smiles while you're at the Sharks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, I think it's it's, um, it's, it's something that sometimes strange my, my wife as well when she tells me to smile at them. Listen, I'm aim, I am smiling at this moment. But, yes, I, uh, and I hope all the listeners and viewers are watching this. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, it's, um, I think it's it's almost like a safety almost that I build into my personality where yeah. I don't um, get too emotional because you get the oh. flip side of it as well Correct. where you almost get too emotion, emotionally involved. And I think if you 
if you're too emotional and you're too um, excited next to the field, it, it rubs off, especially on the guys on the bench as well. And then they go onto that field with that overexcitement and they, and they, and they don't get it right and they don't make the good decisions on the field. So yeah. I think it's almost a, a safety mechanism that I built into my personality where I don't get overly excited, but I also don't get overly sad. Um, I just get over, keep, keep almost that flat line um, just to make sure that I protect myself firstly and then everybody around me. No, look, I agree with you. I think that's a massive skill yeah. for any coach to learn. It doesn't matter what level uh, that's you an are attribute. Just the last question uh, out of the three that I want to ask you, and it was <laughs> I'm, throwing you, I'm throwing you under the bus <laughs> now, because if you can explain to, to us firstly, and then obviously to the, to the viewers, you were initially appointed to the Sharks as a defense coach, am I right? Yes. All right. So you were here last week, I think it was, uh, on a small, <laughs> I see your face, <laughs> on a short uh, spell of doing whatever. You must have come down here with a magic wand because I think it is the quickest that I've ever seen anyone jump from that level of coaching to the director of, coach, of, of uh, rugby. How did that work? If you can, if you can elaborate. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, well, I'll, I'll give you the political. Yes, that's the one I want. So, um, yeah, okay, listen. I think it's it's a it's a discussion that we had before um, my visit to the Sharks. Um, so it's not something that happened in a week's time. So obviously, to, I can imagine. To make, yeah, to get somebody to from an assistant coach to being a director of rugby um, to jump that that well that high, if I if I can call it that, doesn't happen in a week's time. So. And again, I think it was a case of just feeling that we, um, we well, well, the Sharks, we, we need to uh, work a little bit on the, on the culture of the team. Um, and me being an assistant, it's, it's going to be difficult to, to then under Sean um, yeah, try to I work agree. on that culture. So I think that was the main reason for the um, director of rugby appointment is to then be able to immediately step in and and um, and work on the culture of the team and see if we if we can um, if we can get um, well a better culture. Not that it's a it's a bad culture, but just to see if we can get uh, more steps in the right direction and try to keep the group a little bit closer and, and see if we can get everybody to align and, and work in the same direction. we know we know you've got so, another engagement. Um, Sorry, Mark. Yeah. Um, you've got another engagement that you need to go to. Uh, Neil, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a privilege talking to you and to hear these stories from your side. Thank you very much. Yeah, Neil, and uh, all the best with the Sharks. We know Sean very well. We've had him in studio mm. before. Uh, I definitely believe that you will make a difference here. So good luck, and we'll definitely have you back in, in studio one of these days to only talk Sharks rugby. 100%. Okay. Thank you very much, yeah, Neil. Thank Thank you so much, Mark. Thanks, Casper. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to work with Sean. I think he's a great guy, a great coach. Um, and I think there's a lot of potential in, in that Sharks group, not just from a coaching perspective, but the players as well. So um, yeah, looking forward to a challenge. It's going to be different to, to what I'm used to with the Sevens, but um, really looking forward to it. But thank Thanks. you for having me. Thanks, thank Neil. You. All the best and good luck. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Mark, now we we can talk some... URC. This was, this was brilliant. This no, was absolutely I must admit, um, brilliant having you know Neil if with you us. if you listen to him and 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 what the viewers see as I asked him now on the side of the field and then yes. this comes out of it and you think, wow, you know. That's and brilliant. I can tell you now that's part of the reason why the players in the Blitzbox side 
do so yeah. well because 100%. other than trusting the yes. system and that, I think they want to play for him. No, and, they uh, want to play for him. No, you I can think, see that I think he's, he's, as a shark supporter, yeah. um, the proof is in the pudding, but I think as a shark supporter, probably the right decision. I think yeah. he's going to bring a lot of that seven stuff into the into the union. Yes. And let's see where it takes us. Let's see where it takes us. I'm sure that uh, this decision was thought through properly and that they've they've made the right no, decision. No, most definitely. And look, he's hungry for that. So And he's, he comes he from a successful background, so he, he would is. want to make a success. He would. And I'm sure he's going to. Um, United Rugby Championships. Games played over the weekend. Vodacom's Bulls, 22. Celsi Sharks, 29. Um, not a bad game to watch, but it could have been better. Well, as a, as a line supporter, I suppose it wasn't a bad game for you to watch. <laughs> <laughs> From a, yeah. Look, um, I think uncalled for maybe. There was a lot of niggle in the game, especially yeah. in the beginning. But I think that's off to, to the referee. I think he handled it quite well to say no more. The next one that starts it will get a card. Yes. And I think it was about 10, no, it must have been about 15 minutes or 20 minutes or so, and that was it. I think the, the, the sad part here um, was the first red card yes. from Ornay Stain, and, and that put the Bulls under tremendous pressure. Yes. I'm a Shark supporter, but I can tell you, I think... And the Bulls showed that the way they came back. And we've been battling off late yes. in the last 20 minutes or so. If they had 15 men on the field, I think it could have been a different different scoreline. Probably would have been um, a different scoreline. But, I mean, I think the Sharks played a lot better than, than in the past few weeks. And yeah. slowly but surely, I think something is happening. Uh, it's still sad to see that um, we're playing the way we are with all our box back. Yes. Um, and that shouldn't be... It's, I don't think it's a it's a... It's a good showing for Springbok rugby that we've got so many talented Springboks there that yes. play at the top level, and we're battling. Um, and then, obviously, um, Hendricks' red card, you know, and we're not here to criticise and, and anything like that, and it's our own opinion, but I do think that somewhere along the line, sanity needs to prevail. Yes. Um, you know, part of, the, part of the referee's decision was, was made that he led with his head, um, to go into a tackle, I mean, you don't tackle like this with your head falling back. You have to drive forward. Yes, there's mitigating circumstances and so forth, and maybe he fell into it, but you know, it wasn't a high tackle at all. It's just the heads that collided, and maybe there's something there to have a look at. Personally, I, I know it's a head contact. Those are the rules, so they were yes. spot on with regards to the rules, so one can't change that, but I think it's it, it sours the whole game and whatever. So, But whatever it is... Um, well done to the Bulls for coming back. And firstly, to obviously, to Sean Everett and his charges. Well done. Yes. Five points in the bag. Um, now we're going to go away. So now we'll now we're gonna go see away. how it goes. Um, Emirate Lions versus DHL Stormers. Lions 10, Stormers 32. Uh, you know, I, I, feel, I feel for uh, Cash Van Royen and Ricardo Lopeser and all those guys. It's a, it's a new coaching setup. You know, we were fortunate enough to have... Ricardo Lopeson in studio before, um, and and he spoke with passion about they how they're turning the ship, and they did. I mean, they yes. went overseas. They actually played decent rugby. At one stage, they were the only guys overseas that had won a game, and the Sharks and the and the and the Stormers um, hadn't won yet, even Western Province for that matter. But I don't, you know, and it's like it's like anything. Obviously, we're not privy enough to be part of that squad to see what is happening, and that one must understand that. They, 
they have many new players and it's a new system. I mean, they, they, the box that they have, they are all the older box, if I can call it, but there's no Elton Yankees anymore that led yes. that back and as a captain and that. Um, and I think they're rebuilding. The problem herein lies with everything is when you keep losing, I think then you start losing focus and you start not believing anymore. Yes. Um, so I think, as Neil was saying earlier, there's a lot of psychological stuff happening. And obviously they would have those guys to work with the players but maybe you start as a player now. You start questioning certain things within the setup and that you know. And don't take it. You can't take anything away from the Stormers though. And the Stormers, well. the Stormers. I don't think they beat their straps yet. I think yes. they are playing better and better week. But they're also week missing out. some key players. No, no, fair enough. And that's why our half-time score was ten-three. Yes. So if you look at if you look at the way they've been going, um, you will see that you know the end result was thirty-two ten. Yes. And what is what worked for them is, and Dobson tried this now, is to have Warwick Galant and Willemsen in the same starting lineup, and yes. I think that worked because they love to attack. Um, but but good luck to them because they also went through a phase where things weren't going according yeah. to plan, and everyone was saying, "Well, must Dobson go?" And the players, and you know, they have players like Ivan Rus injured that must still yes. come back. But as per normal, we'll see when our teams go on tour. Now I think. I think that is where the challenge is going to come and see if we can step up to it. I mean, the Bulls are the fortunate ones when they went overseas last year to play in the final. Um, they got unstuck. Yes. They will know when they go back, they're not playing their best rugby. When they did go overseas, they were Curry Cup champions and everything, and they believed in themselves and they got unstuck. So I think when they go, it will be a different kettle of fish. But the rest of us have been there already, so um, they know what to expect, and hopefully we'll turn the tables, and more so the Emirates Lions yeah. will really start playing the way they can play. Talking about the North, Northern Hemisphere, um, Six Nations, Italy, England, we spoke about that game a little bit last week as well. Um, Italy, nil, England, 33. Your views on that? Well, if you look at the Italy game, um, as I said last week, the Italy played France last week. Yes. And I did mention that Ingl Italy is a vastly improved, improved side, side to yeah. previous years. And they proved it yet again this time. I mean, the scoreline was very close. If you look at at the end, obviously England ra ran away with it, if yes. I can put it. But, but in the past, you wouldn't have seen 33-0. No. It would have been higher scores in the 40s yes. and the 50s and so forth. So... Ultimately, I think Italy is, they're still battling, make no mistake, but I think they're on the right path. I mean, they're physical, they run with the ball nicely, they contest well. Um, England, I mustn't say we're fortunate, because I think they did put Italy under pressure, but they didn't execute properly. Um, having said that, France didn't put them away last week either. No, they didn't. And the French are, are currently playing phenomenal rugby. So Very good side. I just think from an England side, they, they're happy that they bounced back. Yes. And uh, they got their five points because that's what they wanted and they put themselves back on the map. 100%. Talking about France, France, Ireland. France 30, Ireland 24. You mentioned something last week that the, this was the game to watch. Yeah. And the side that wins this game can probably go through. I still believe that. Um, we did say last week as well that the French-Irish game is going to be the, the game to watch of the, of the week. Yes. Um, and the team winning that will in all probability go through and, and stake a claim to win. 
France is the only team left now that can win the Grand Slam. So they've got all to play for. Yes. Um, having said that, it was a it was a it was a close game. It was a 50-50, and then it was tit for tat, and then the one scored and the other one came back. Some very exciting rugby. But what is phenomenal is when you play the French in France, um, their crowd is yes. absolutely phenomenal. Um, I listened to a lot of the commentary and a lot of the box that had played overseas in France before um, Swayze, uh, the brain himself was saying over the weekend that when he was part of the Springbok coaching setup and they went to France, you don't really find that anywhere else yeah. in the world because they were vocal and they were cheering. But France is obviously on the on the up, and as we spoke previously on, on a few of our shows, we said that they are preparing for the World Cup in France next year. Um, if you look at the kicking, and we've been fortunate enough to have Flock Salier in studio before, he spoke about how, how specific they are and specific things that they do with regards to kicking and, and the things that he does to, to get the guys to, to, to strike the ball better and, and so on and so forth. And you can even see their kicking has improved. You yep. know? So all around, Fabian Galti is definitely doing something right. I think he's got the right people, people in support. And I think, the, the, if I can put it that way, the bigger countries like the South Africans and the New Zealand or whatever when they go to France next year watch the home team watch the home team then moving on to Wales Scotland Wales 20 Scotland 17 I really had my money on on Scotland for this one you did say so I did say so <laughs> I really had it but um, I think Wales is just one of those teams that will never lose two weekends in a row yeah, look, there was there was quite a bit at stake. Obviously, they they had to win, and as I said previously, they are the current Six Nations champions. Yes, they are. Um, one one thing that stood out there was Dan Bigger. He played yeah. in his hundredth game, and, and what a well. game he played. Yeah. Um, you know, and and congratulations to Dan Bigger, obviously for that. Yes. Um, you know, it wasn't. It, I think it was also a scrappy affair. It wasn't was the best it? game to watch. I think one expected more from Scotland. Yes. Um, compared to previous week where they where they actually played well. But having said that, Wales obviously took them out of their comfort yeah. zone and they couldn't let them play the way they wanted to. Um, I was disappointed that, that Scotland lost, to be honest, um, because Wales, you know, yes, they're the Six Nations champions, but they haven't been playing the way we know they can yes. play. And, you know, they must now still play some of the big guns. So we'll we'll have to wait well, and see what's going to happen. Ireland made them look average the previous week, and they actually came back and did did well against Scotland. No, no, definitely, and and you need to give them credit because as I, as we said, the Scots would have been fired up yes, because they just beaten England. Are they coming um, off a win? Yeah, no, hundred percent. Very good one. Having said that, yet again, um, other than Italy, all the home nations won. Yes, you know, so home ground advantage obviously played quite a quite a significant part in the results this week and you know if you look at Wales Scotland specifically you will see that um, it was a close game and there your your even even the France Island game was a close game you know France ran away with it in the beginning yes. and then Ireland came back but it's the crowd that kept them going you know I would have loved to see what this would have been or the scores would have been if there was still COVID and no people in the stadium like in South Africa I mean we only allowed 2,000 their stadiums are packed you know, so Those I think home, home ground definitely makes a difference. Then, just the last question quickly, Mark. Our team's going going overseas now in the United Rugby Championships. Um, 
your prediction? Are we going to get unstuck like we done the last time? Uh, look, I think I think it's, it's going to be difficult. I think it's going to be different. Firstly, we now need to adapt to the weather conditions again. I mean, we used to, yeah, the dry weather and playing in the Eiffelt. Well, now we're going there, it's winter. Um, you know, we, we've seen lots of rain and snow at some places. So I think I think it will be difficult, but now's the time to to make it happen. Yeah. Um, if we look, I think we're only going to go away for one game and then we come back again for two or three playing at home. So that would help us, I suppose. Um, but you know, it's the one game that they that they need to step up to the plate and they need to make sure that they make it happen. And good luck to them. Good luck to them, Mark. Thank you very much. Um, thank you for our viewers and listeners for tuning in to Touchline. Mark, thank you very much for your input. And uh, once again, thank you to Neil Powell for coming into the studio and chatting to us. It was genuinely a privilege. Yeah, yeah it's, always, it's always nice to have people, especially a guy like Neil Powell and the yes. way he speaks. And yes. I think people can relate to him. And just to you as well, thanks for always chatting some good rugby and, and uh, for us to have the opportunity to be on Touchline, it's an absolute phenomenal um, privilege as well. So from myself, thank you. Thank you, Mark. From Kasper Els and Mark Cameron, thank you for tuning in to Touchline and have a great rugby week.